Hi everyone, this is NBC10 Boston's Countdown to Decision 2022. We've made it, we're a day out after election day and we're starting to get all the results coming in. I'm your host, Mary Marcos. I'm here with our political reporter, Allison King and Jeff Saperstone, who covered the Massachusetts governor's race. The entire newsroom was up late last night to bring you guys all the election results. So thank you guys so much for getting up early and joining us again to talk about what happened. Sure, thanks for having me. So briefly, just to go over what we know now while we're recording this, um, the only races that have been called at this point is the governor's race, with which is what we're going to get into. Maura Healy and Jeff Deal. Maura Healy, obviously, making history as the first female elected governor of Massachusetts and the first uh, out, out, outwardly gay person to be elected governor in the nation. So that's very exciting. Um, and then Attorney General... Um, Andrea, uh, Andrea Campbell was uh, successful in the attorney general's race over James McMahon. And then the questions are still coming in right now. We have question one on the um, millionaire's tax at 52% for yes, 48% no. So pretty close there. Question two, regulation of dental insurance. Yes, the yes one on that. So 84% reporting. Um, so that passed. It's looking like it's going to pass. And then question three. Uh, expanding alcohol license availability, very similar, 84% reporting. Um, the no's are in the lead there with 50% no, 45% yes. And then question four, uh, also a little tight, 53% yes, 47% no. So we'll have to keep checking in on how those turn out once the um, once everything comes in. But let's let's talk a little bit about this exciting governor's race. You guys were with the candidates when they found out the news can you tell us like what you know i always whenever i've covered an election i always found them to be those those moments to be so moving can you talk to me a little bit about what was most uh exciting for you about it last night um when maura healy gave that speech allison and talk a little bit about what she said yeah well it was it was kind of an interesting mood i mean this was not a and we were at the in the ballroom at the fairmont copley plaza hotel downtown and election nights are often tense rooms or, you know, this was not your cliffhanger room. I mean, people came in there very feeling very confident and, you know, you wondered if maybe there'd be a little bit of an anticlimactic, you know, appearance, but no, when Maura Healy came out on the stage, the crowd went wild. And for a number of reasons, um, first of all, she happens to be very well liked in, um, among Democrats and among left-leaning um, independents. She's you know, been very, very popular for a long time. She's had a big national name as a, an attorney general in the state. But she's also crossed a whole bunch of historic firsts having to do with, number one, first female elected governor in Massachusetts. The first, and there's a distinction on this, openly lesbian governor in the country. I believe there's one other gay <clears throat> uh, governor. And, um, you know, the ticket of Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll in itself is also historic. First time a team had been elected. Now, I understand another team in Arkansas with Sarah Huckabee Sanders was also elected last night, but she did it an hour earlier. So, um, it, you know, th this was a crowd that absolutely embraced that, loved that. And Maura Healy just mm. So genuinely thrilled to be on that stage and to be, uh, she had kind of downplayed some of the historic part of this, you know, not in a, it was, she, she was always wanting to emphasize that she wanted to put good people in place and that's what she was really focused on and doing the job. 
but it was almost as if she was allowing herself to take in and soak in the whole historic aspect of it last night. And it was, there were, you know, tears in the crowd. It was very moving um, experience in the room. Yeah, Allison, because she didn't really make that part of her, her campaign identity, right? Correct. And, you know, I, I used to, I mean, it was she was sort of like, I don't know, I asked her, was this coming up from a place of being humble or trying to, you know, um, just not toot her own horn in the historic, but she, you know, I think she just genuinely wanted to emphasize that she was the right person for the job, not the right historic person for the job. Right. And Jeff, so remember when the we had the governor's debate and, and, mm -hmm. you know, Allison, you were right there and we were asking Jeff deal, you know, if you don't win, will you accept the results? And I, and I know that that was a big question going into this, Jeff, what happened last night? Well, things got kind of interesting at eight o'clock, you know, they called the race about a minute later, the AP called the race, you know, when that happens, there are no actual results in just yet from the board of elections, but there's projections that are done. So they call it a projection. So the room, was kind of a little bit stunned that the race was called so early. You know, the polls kind of reflected this all along, but still they were stunned and they decided, hey, the strategy was we're going to wait till more votes come in to see if Jeff Deal catches up. They had been saying all night long that uh, a low turnout meant it could be good for Jeff Deal because they're saying maybe not as many Democrats would come out yesterday to vote. But in the end, they were saying, hey, this is irresponsible to call the race. We shouldn't be calling this race at eight o'clock. So several hours went by. Some campaigns went up on stage. They said, hey, wait a second. We know more Healy's speaking right now, but ignore that. Ignore that. That's not really happening right now. Jeff Deal could still win this thing. And as the night got, you know, went later and later into the evening, we were approaching 11 o'clock, you know, about 1030. They said, hey, Jeff is going to come out. We thought maybe what would happen, I think it was uh, when Coakley and Baker ran, Allison, you probably remember this, 2014, there was no concession until the next day. That's what I was kind of thinking was going to happen. Um, even though, was a cliffhanger, though. Right, right. That was close. That race was actually close. This was not close. I thought maybe they would just wait until the next day. Um, no, Jeff Deal came out. He did ultimately concede. Um, and there were a lot of boos when he made that speech. He said, um, you know, this race was just insurmountable. I know all the results aren't in yet, um, but I called Maura Healy. I want to wish her congratulations. He got a lot of booze. And, you know, you could see him hesitate a little bit, but, but he went on with that speech and basically kind of quieted the room and said, hey, this is the result. We need to accept it and move on. 11 o'clock struck and everybody went home. So that was it. What was that, Jeff, what were the people, like when it went on for hours and hours, were people hanging on? Like yeah, I mean, their... people were, it, you know, Maura Healy got up to speak. They had the big projectors. You know, she was up there speaking. Almost nobody was paying attention to it. There were, there were no audible boos. There were no, there was nothing really. It was just kind of like everybody was milling about um, talking. Uh, I'm not sure what they were waiting for, whether they um, thought some sort of uh, lead would come from somewhere. I don't, I don't really know what the strategy was, but the, you know, the ultimate uh, uh, decision at the end of the night was, hey, we're going to concede. Well, it's encouraging to hear him acknowledge the results. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just this race had been kind of uh, 20 points. What? It was at least 20 points in every poll. 
And just sorry to interrupt, but, but one thing that the Mass GOP chair said at the beginning of the night was that they had no money. And Allison, I mean, I keep going back to this. They had a popular, the most popular Republican governor in the state, and the party kind of did not kind of lean into that. Why do you think that was? I mean, you, and you have to understand where this, the party's coming from. They, they fully considered, and this is the very right wing part of the party um, that's running the show, uh, that Charlie Baker is, for all intents and purposes, a Democrat. And mm -hmm. if they have to lose an election over that, that's fine with them. They'd rather that than put a someone than, you know, they for them, it's really about the issues. And those issues, by the way, are, you know, abortion. Uh, it plays very high. Um, <clears throat> immigration issues, which actually Charlie Baker was with them on a lot, you know, to a large degree on those issues. But um, there was just so much animosity there between Baker and the chair, party chair, Jim Lyons, that <clears throat> they couldn't, you know, stubbornness. I don't know what it is, but it's it is sort of mind boggling that they know the state. The state is not a pro-choice pro-Trump state. It's not even close. Pro-life. So pro-life. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Pro, yeah, um, yeah. Or I should say, anti, it's an anti-abortion, you know, the, the, it's just never going to fly in Massachusetts mm. and right. in the near future. And, you know, I think that it's, there, there's got to be a reckoning with the party, you know, in the next, in the coming months, because what they're doing is so clearly not working. And I do think there's an appetite for that more moderate person. Obviously, look at all the Republican governors that have been elected, people like the mm -hmm. check and balance. But you need to find that right person who um, is an absolute moderate, yet is fiscally conservative. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like Jeff Deal, Jeff Deal's a very decent guy. I got the impression that he was really, really pushed by the party to tack hard right. Um, and I'm not sure I felt like he personally felt comfortable with doing what he had to do. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the you, whole thing is yeah. one of the most interesting dynamics. I, I know you kind of got that sense last night when, when he got a little bit heckled during the concession speech. And he he hesitated a little bit, but but he wanted to say, he wanted to kind of calm the room down and be like, in the end, I'm going to be the adult here and I'm going to concede because this is just not going to happen. Exactly. Allison, wasn't it Gene Hardigan we had on this podcast who said that that the mass GOP really needs to put the their issues sort of their perspective on issues aside and focus on fiscal fiscal conservatism and, and other things that you that will actually you'll be able to move in Massachusetts? Wasn't that Gene Hardigan who said that? Yes, and 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 what has worked. That doesn't mean you can't be pro-life and, and feel extremely strongly about that and push your agenda. Absolutely, there's room for all sides and all, you know, but mm -hmm. not as the leader of the party of this state. Um, that's just not the, you know, and they've just, there's just such a stark separation there. And moderate Republicans who kind of, you know, um, New England Republicans who were, you know, kind of ran the show for decades, they're just, they've given up and kind of, you know, retreated from the whole picture because it's not something they want to be a part of. Election denialism, attaching themselves to Trump. And that that wing of the party will certainly be there and that's fine. It's just not maybe the best one to be making the big decisions and running the show. Right. So can you guys walk us through now what happens now? Well, 
today is a big day for Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll because they will apparently be meeting with Governor Charlie Baker and Karen Polito. And <clears throat> they're talking about how they are modeling for the country how this should be done. You're switching administrations, Republican to Democrat, everyone getting along, working together. This is not necessarily the way it's going in other parts of the country right now. And I think it's going to be super interesting. We'll be there. I think it's going to be this afternoon to see, you know, we're not going to be allowed to sit in on this whole conversation, but I'm sure we'll get a little debrief afterwards. And there'll be a lot of niceties on day one. I'm sure they'll, you know, they're not going to be talking heavy policy today and, and, and changing, you know, a big changing of the guard decisions. But it will be interesting to see the public face they put forward. And Jeff, did you get any sense about what will be next for Jeff Deal? No, not really. He didn't. He didn't uh, go into that. I think they were kind of relieved in a way that the night was uh, over. They could kind of um, uh, move forward last night. That it didn't carry over today. I guess. I guess is. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Um, no, but I didn't get a sense of what would happen next. I mean, Allison's profile you, you did on on Jeff Deal he kind of, after his last race against Warren, he kind of went back. Did he go back into the private sector? Is that, is that what you had said? He actually drove an Uber for a while. That, that, uh, that's what it was. Yeah. How could you I didn't forget? ask him if he was going to do that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that he's also had a job with, um, you know, he, he had a career like at a sign company and he, mm -hmm. I think he's, he's does, he's been into sales in the past and, my guess is, and they have a dance studio with his wife and he'll, right. you know, his wife on a dance studio. So I'm sure they'll probably go back. And I, I, my guess is that this may be the last race for Jeff Deal. Uh, I think he might, he could probably win a state rep seat again in his town. I think he was pretty popular. I don't know Very if he'd want to popular. Be. Yeah. In fact, I, I would argue that whole room was probably, well, I, I don't know for sure, but there were a lot of people from Whitman in that room. A lot of people who knew him. I mean, Jeff is such a, he was, or he's, you know, I did sit down with him and I've had long conversations yeah. with him. He's an interesting guy. He, this is not someone who went out in life to be a politician or mm -hmm. he's kind of, there's been a sort of, I don't want to say Forrest Gump or put a negative implication on it, but just sort of like he kind of has landed in these positions where he's been someone who could run for an office because, you know, he was willing to do it and the timing was right. And he went out there and, you know, this is not a career he sought out. Um, so in that respect, and, you know, he's he, he's the guy that when he says, I get to spend more time with his family, you know, he really means it. <laughs> he's, he, he's he really, really his family. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, and Allison, can you want, tell, do you know when uh, Maura Healy will officially sort of take office at this point? Um, I, I wrote it down. It's on January 5th, <laughs> Thursday, January 5th at noon. So that is her, um, you know, inauguration day. And she's got, you know, this is going to be the fun part of covering this for the next several weeks. Who is in her cabinet? Who is she going to put, you know, right by her side and helping to make some of the big decisions? You know, here's another interesting thing. Will, as some Republicans have suggested, will Maura Healy tack to the left? Because now she's in office and she's a progressive at heart, not a moderate. She was just pretending to embrace Charlie Baker so she could win the office. I don't think that's necessarily true, but it'll be interesting to see, does she tack a little bit to the left? Remember, this is the woman who came out and helped elect Diana Presley. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that'll be a, a really fun to follow, to see what kind of P 
people she puts in. That's going to tell us a lot. And what kind of, what is her message and, and what is she talking about? Um, it, obviously, we know affordable housing is going to be way up there. Environmental issues are going to be way up there. And she's talked a lot about education. So we'll see, you know, how much she's willing to sort of give us a clue as to what direction she's headed in. Okay, great. And quickly, just want to touch on this, like very briefly, um, Senator Maggie Hassan is projected mm -hmm. to keep her seat in the Senate. And Allison, you, before we went live, you were telling me you were surprised about that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, just if you looked at the polling, they were saying at the end that Bullduck had kind of taken over by a point or so. I will say being up in New Hampshire several times over the past couple of weeks, I was feeling a real Republican energy. And um, of course, you know, it all depends on what town you're in on a given day or what event you're at. But I thought, wow, you know, Levitt and Bolda could really, you know, given what the polling was saying, really pull this off. Two huge upsets in, in, in um, New Hampshire. Well, it's, it wasn't a squeaker for Maggie Hassan. It looked like she, she pulled out nine or eight or nine or 10 points. And I haven't seen the final number. Oh, it's up on the screen right now. <laughs> Living room. <laughs> yeah. So, like ten, a 10 pointer. So that's wow. I mean, Maggie Hassan six years ago won by a few hundred votes. I yeah. think it was huge. That, that race was not decided right away. Yeah. Correct. So anyway, um, and I haven't seen the final Pappas numbers, but I'll tell you, oh, I do want to say something about Caroline Levitt, the 25 year old Republican candidate. Man, mm -hmm. she is, I would say that that woman is going places. She is ex an extremely good campaigner. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who is so um, sure, confident and articulate about her positions. And at such a young age, you know, I think that the party, no, she has gone all in on Trump. So where that hall goes in the coming years, months and years, we'll see, because that may determine her fate to a certain degree. But she was she is very impressive as a candidate. It, it uh, yeah. just real quick. I mean, it, yeah, just real quick, Mary. I mean, it also seems like a, not just in New Hampshire, but a lot of the polling in these swing states just seem to skew the other direction this time around to kind of overcompensate for Republican voters. So it seemed like a lot of these, not just in New Hampshire, there's so many states where uh, it showed the Republican was going to come out on top and that just didn't happen, didn't materialize in a lot of these swing states. So I don't know if it was a, a polling overcorrection this time or, or what happened here, or if there was just a late surge of, of Democratic voters. But um, that seems like it happened in New Hampshire. And uh, Allison, the Papist race, I think, just looking here, it was 10 yeah, almost 10 points. So that's a pretty big margin, too. Yeah, sure. it doesn't see that whole Republican wave. Um, it does seem like they had a good night, certainly in some states, but that yeah. huge wave they talked about doesn't seem to have happened. Right. So um, Joe Biden is feeling good about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we'll we'll see. Right. I mean, as as the as you know, everything keeps coming in, we're going to we're going to get more information on that and where we're going to follow up later this week or maybe next week, depending on things, how things pan out um, with Sue O'Connell uh, to talk about those national races. But thank you guys so much. We're out of time, but I really appreciate having you on. And it's great to hear about your experiences last night with the covering the governor's race. Thank you guys. Thanks, Mary. Sure.